What will Carlos Correa earn in free agency this offseason? Word coming out today from a Puerto Rican newspaper that's shocker. Carlos Correa is opting out of his contract with the Twins. So what will he earn after what was a very good 2022 season, albeit not in the clutch category early on? We're going to break this thing down from all angles on today's episode of Locked On Twins. You are Locked On Twins. Your daily Minnesota Twins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And welcome to the Lockdown Minnesota Twins podcast. Today is Thursday, October 13th, and I'm your gracious host, Nash Walker. Thanks for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every day on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. What will Carlos Correa earn in free agency this coming offseason? Also using his numbers from 2022, what he just did for the Twins to analyze that in his career to this point. I think people are curious, like, what will it take? Not just for the Twins, but for anybody. Like, what will he sign for? And I'm going to make some predictions today on this show on what Carlos Correa will sign for in this free agency period. Knowing what we know about the market, about who could be interested, about who has holes, about who we know would be looking for a shortstop in free agency with histories of spending. We're going to look at all those things today. So how much will Carlos Correa earn? I think for Twins fans, it's it, it's really important to take a step back from the 2022 Season And even if we just go back to when Correa signed after the lockout shortly before opening day, remember the feeling around that signing around Carlos Correa as the number one free agent on the market. It feels to me there's been somewhat of a loss of understanding how good Carlos Correa is and how good he was coming into this year and how young he was and how he's viewed and how he's, you know, perceived, I think. He is one of the best players in baseball, and he is the best defensive shortstop in baseball. Defensive run saved since 2019. Nolan Arenado is first with 61. Mookie Betts second with 49. Matt Chapman is third with 42. Fourth on that list is Carlos Correa. He's the best defensive shortstop in the league. He won a platinum, gold, platinum glove in 2021, and he combines that with a great bat, and he has the postseason pedigree. He's one of the best players in the league, full stop. I think because Correa didn't hit in the first half of this year with runners in scoring position, some of that was lost. Like there's still this feeling and I can feel some of it too. Like this guy's not, you know, he's not that he's not that guy. You know, he's not an MVP caliber player. He's not, he's not one of the best players in baseball. I think there's that, that feeling. I'm not saying you're wrong to think that what we just saw from Carlos Correa, if your idea of like an MVP level season is much better than that. Yes, of course. Like that wasn't an MVP caliber season from Carlos Correa. In 2021, he had an MVP caliber season for the Astros. He was worth over seven wins above replacement. He was tremendous for them. He's not a perfect player by any means, but through his age, he's now through his age 27 season. So he just turned 28. Since the expansion era, which is when the Minnesota Twins became a franchise or a team in 1961 coming over from Washington, here are the wins above replacement leaders at baseball reference among shortstops through their age 27 season up until and through their age 27 season. Alex Rodriguez is first, 63.6 wins above replacement. Second is Robin Yell, 44.7 wins above replacement. 
Third is Cal Ripken Jr., 43.6 ones above replacement. So three of the best players the game has ever seen. Alex Rodriguez, Robin Young, and, and Cal Ripken Jr. You know who's fourth? Carlos Correa at 39 and a half wins above replacement. Fourth most wins above replacement among shortstops through their age 27 season. And the reason war really likes Carlos Correa is because it's a defensive stat too. He brings a lot of value defensively and at a position that requires a lot defensively. One of the toughest positions on the field, if not the toughest, I would say second to, to catching. So top four in wins above replacement since the expansion era through a shortstop's age 27 season. Let's look at his bat though. Let's look at his bat because wins above replacement clearly defense is, is weighted in that. Just his bat, which would be OPS plus is my favorite to use. I know Waiter runs created plus. I like OPS plus because I like baseball reference platform and I like both and it's close enough where I'm, I'll use OPS plus. I'll use both of them. But highest shortstop OPS plus through age 27 season. We know 100 is league average for OPS or for OPS plus. 100 is, is a league average OPS. Expansion era, since the expansion era, 1961, minimum 3,000 plate appearances. Here is the highest shortstop OPS plus through an age 27 season. Number one, Alex Rodriguez, 144. Number two is Hanley Ramirez, one of my favorite players when I was young. I loved Hanley Ramirez, 132. Third, Carlos Correa at 129. Fourth, Cal Ripken Jr. at 125. And fifth is Derek Jeter at 122. So Carlos Correa has the third highest OPS plus since the expansion era among shortstops through their age 27 season. So to this point, he is top four in his class, basically of shortstops at his age in the last 60 years in wins above replacement. And he's top three in OPS plus his bats there. His defense is there. If we just look at, no age, highest OPS plus among shortstops since the expansion era, minimum 3,000 plate appearances. Correa is tied for first with Corey Seager at 129. Nomar Garcia Parra is third on that list at 124. And you might be thinking, well, offense is way up from back then. Yes, but this is this is era league adjusted. OPS plus is adjusted for the season, for the era, for the league. It's It's adjusted for all of those things. He's 29% above the league average today. Nomar Garcia Parra was 24% above league average in his day at shortstop. So it's Correa and Seager. And this is funny to me because you know who just got a 10-year, $325 million deal in free agency last year? Corey Seager, who's tied with Carlos Correa at the exact same age as Correa is now. Um, Correa is going to do really, really well in free agency. We know that. We know We know that. I wanted to, I wanted to just remind folks how how special he is in, in the history. Like he's historically good for his age as a shortstop defensively and offensively. We know he's going to get a lot. How much is a lot and what else will impact that? First, a word from Roan. It's so hard to find super comfortable clothing, dress shirts for men. It's it's just, it's tough. They're uncomfortable. They're tight. They're never your size. Well, Roan is here to fix that. The dress shirt was due for a radical reinvention, and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, and flexible shirt known to man. And here's why. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws your way from your commute to work to your 18 holes of golf. 
with Gold Fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. I've heard amazing things about Roan. So comfortable. It's sleek. It's great. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next, whether it's golf, whether it's just hanging at home. Head to Roan.com. That's R-H-O-N-E.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to R-H-O-N-E.com slash locked on and use locked on at the promo code. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Upgrade your closet with Roan and use locked on to save 20%. We know Cray is going to do really well. How much is really well? Well, the best way to do it is to look at shortstops who've signed recently at similar ages, right? And I think Corey Seager is the best example. He signed a year ago, right before the lockout, and he was in the same. Correa was in his market. You know, they the Rangers specifically targeted Corey Seager clearly. You know, and they they signed him for ten years and three hundred twenty five million dollars. Um, Corey Seager was a little bit older than Carlos, a little bit older than Carlos is now, but basically the same age, right? They're coming out of their age 27 seasons. Um, so same, same age, you know, same situation. Carlos Correa and Corey Seager a year ago. Seager got 10 for 325 with Texas. Also represented, this part is important, by Scott Boris. And Carlos Correa switched agents, now represented by Scott Boris. And Boris was a huge part of his one-year $35 million deal with the Twins, 35.1 to make him the highest-paid infielder of, of all time, for good reason, again, but Corey Seager's deal is, I bet you, I bet you, Carlos Correa, if the Twins said, Carlos, what, what is it going to take today? What's it going to take? I bet Carlos would go to them with Scott Boris and say, I want the Seager contract, which is 10 years, $325 million. Francisco Lindor got an extension from the Mets, 10 years, $341 million. Same age, minus one, like a little bit younger. I think he was like... 10, 12 months younger at the time when he signed that extension, but he got more over the same amount of years. He got 10, it was a 10 year, $341 million extension for Francisco Lindor. So Boris is looking for that Seager contract. I think Carlos would love the Lindor contract. He would take 10 for 341, I'm sure. But I think Boris and Correa are looking to get 325 million in free agency, the same deal as, as Corey Seager. It took the Rangers to step up. I don't know if Seager would have signed for that. I mean, I don't think he would have because you just didn't see that after the lockout. Like, Correa didn't get it after the lockout. I think there's more to that. I th- I think Correa is a better overall all-around player than Corey Seager, but the Rangers clearly targeted Seager. Like, that, that's who they wanted, and that's what it's going to take for Correa. So which teams could actually look at him and say, we're targeting you. All it takes is one team. It takes one team to say, all right, we'll give you 330 million bucks. That's that's all it takes. It's easier said than done for a lot of these owners, but all it takes is one. It takes one. The big markets, uh, I think there is Correa bias in New York. I don't think the Yankees were interested in signing him, whether it's because they have, you know, Anthony Volpe coming or they just don't like Carlos Correa there. I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest with you. Uh the Dodgers, he isn't liked in LA because of what happened in 2017. I don't think the Dodgers are going to sign Carlos Correa. They're also not historically known for signing long-term deals. They like shorter deals at higher average annual values, which I'm not saying is out of the question for Correa, but he's going to be going for the biggest payday here. So I don't see Yankees or Dodgers. 
uh, signing Carlos Correa. They didn't do it last year. I know the Dodgers had Trey Turner. He's a free agent again. I think their priority will be to bring back Trey Turner before it'll be, you know, Carlos Correa. I just don't see him there. Uh, the fits, the clear fits to me. You have your contenders, like your playoff teams who need a shortstop. That would be the Phillies, Didi Gregorius, going to be a free agent. The Cardinals, Tommy Edmond played a really nice shortstop this year defensively, but they could, you know, if they added Correa, Edmond would then get into a, that super utility role where I think he's he's better suited to bounce all around, uh, play second, play short, play the outfield. He can do everything. He's a great defender. Your, up, your, your playoff teams, that would be Phillies, Cardinals, and then your next group would be the up-and-comers. The up-and-comers, that would be the Orioles, who were interested in him last year. The Giants, I don't know, an up-and-comer, but not in the playoffs. The Giants is the one that's really interesting. And then the Cubs. The Cubs, that's like your up-and-comers group uh, that I think could look at Correa and say, "Do let's do what the Phillies did with Bryce Harper. Like, we're not... We're not quite ready to go for a title today, but we might be in two years and we want to lock up this star for, for more reasons than one. So in that group is the Cubbies, which there's been a lot of steam on Correa to the Cubs. I'll believe, you know, Tom Ricketts is going to spend 330 million on a free agent when I, when I see it, but the Cubs, the Orioles, again, I believe it when I see it with the Orioles, that they'll spend all that money and the giants, they will. I think they would do it. I, I don't know if Farhan Zaidi, their president of the baseball ops, I don't know if he's in to the 10-year deals. It doesn't seem like he is. Newer, kind of newer age. And that's that's another thing in this. Like the the newer modern front offices, a lot of them, and rightly so, like these 10-year deals get ugly almost every single time. Like I can guarantee you the Harper contract will get ugly at the end. The Machado contract will get ugly. The Garrett Cole contract will get ugly at the end. But they sign the guys for the first three or four years of the deal and hope that that outweighs the next five years of the deal. But what you've seen is, unless we're sure we're going to win the World Series next year, I think a lot of teams are just like, why would I sign this guy for 10 years? If it's going to take three years for us to get back into real contention, and those are his prime years, like, what am I getting? Right? Like, how one guy can't change everything for you. And for the Orioles, like, Correa, yes, would make them better. Yes, they nearly missed the playoffs. But to me, there's a lot of work to do still in Baltimore. For me, there's a lot of work still to do in Chicago. For me, there's work to do in San Francisco. But I see those three teams as as potential threats below the contenders, which would be the Cardinals and uh, and the Phillies. Could it be the Red Sox? Could they let Xander Bogarts go, bringing Correa instead? That's possible as well. So those teams, and then this is what the Twins in mind, like obviously the twins are a fit. He played for the twins last year. So obviously the twins are a fit. Uh, the angels are, are a potential fit, although they're up for sale and I don't see them signing a, you know, monstrous contract for a free agent at this point. So those are the clear fits to me. It would be Cubs, Phillies, Cardinals, Orioles, Red Sox, Giants, and the twins. But that's like, if he doesn't sign with one of those teams, I'll be really surprised. Could like Seattle come in and move JP Crawford off short and sign Carlos Correa? Sure. That that could happen. Like something crazy could happen. But I would put I would put all my dimes on him signing with one of the Cubs, Phillies, Cardinals, Orioles, Red Sox, Giants, or Twins. So that's a big group of teams. And and this, all it takes is one. It takes one of those teams. I have a feeling it's going to be the Phillies <laughs> that steps up and says, We'll give you 300 million. That's that's all it takes is one. 
But what happens if Correa still can't get the the Seager contract? Like, what do I think he's actually going to sign for? I think that this he I think he believes and Boris believes, and maybe rightly so, that this will be the same as it was for Seager. This will be the same as it was for Francisco Lindor. This will be the same as it was for even in some ways Fernando Tatis Jr. Like he's an all-world talent. He's one of the best players in the world, and he should get three hundred twenty-five million. He should. Like, if Corey Seager's getting it, he should get it too. There's a segment of a baseball fan base, and like I definitely get this, and baseball fans who are just never going to think anybody's worth that amount of money. And the reality is that's the game. Like, Corey Seager got $325 million, So that's the bar that you set, right? Aaron Judge is going to get $350 million. If those guys are getting their money, everything tells you Carlos Correa should get his too. It's not whether Correa is worth it, is worth $350 million in your mind. It's, is Carlos Correa a $350 million player when you put it into perspective with other free agents who have signed and other free agents of his caliber? And the answer is yes. But I don't think he's going to be treated the same. And this is, I'm not using this as like an angle of how the twins can get in on this. Like, honestly, this is more of a, of a overall umbrella view of the entire situation. I don't think Correa is viewed the same because of 2017. I think there is stain in the bigger markets, which hurts him. And I don't think he's going to Texas. I, I think there's stain on him in New York. There's stain on him with the Dodgers. And those those teams would be in. I think the Yankees, if, it, if his name wasn't Carlos Correa, I think the Yankees would have been really interested in him last year, last offseason, like enough to go after him. Now, they do have their top prospect is a shortstop in Volpe. They have Aaron Judge is an impending free agent this year. They need to re-sign him like they have to. They're the Yankees. Those things are are included in that. I just don't think he had Correa is going to be viewed the same as these other guys because of the Astros thing and because the bigger markets are not going to be involved on him. Like I, the Mets aren't going to do it. The Dodgers will not be involved and the Yankees will not be involved. Is it possible the Dodgers or Yankees get involved a little bit? Yeah, I just don't see him landing there. And I could be wrong. I just don't see it. I mean, if the Yankees didn't do it last year, they're not doing it this year. And if the Dodgers miss out on Trey Turner, it's possible. I just don't see it with how with how things went, you know, in 2017 and with the Astros. I just I don't see that happening. So if you don't have the bigger markets, you have to hope that, you know, you're hoping that the Phillies, Cardinals, or Baltimore, or like the Giants, you're hoping one of these teams steps up, very possible, and maybe even probable that one of them will with what he's looking for. He's going to get paid a lot of money. The question is, is he going to get what he's looking for in free agency? And to me, you know, he played 136 games. He hit 291, 366 on base. He slugged 467. OPS plus was 140. It was his, you know one of his best seasons of his career offensively. 24 doubles, 22 homers, 5.4 wins above replacement at baseball reference. This is a very, very good player. He didn't really hit with runners in scoring position in the first half of the year. It hurt the Twins. It hurt the Twins. But I've said over and over and over, I'm not worried about Carlos Correa long-term hitting with runners in scoring position. And I don't think front offices are concerned about one of the best playoff performers of all time at age 28 and his ability to hit in clutch spots. It's not a problem for him. It wasn't the first half of the year. I think the short and spring training, I think him signing late, 
the finger, and then he got COVID. I think it, it screwed things up, but we saw in the second half the player he's capable of being. It just came at an opportune time for the Twins because nobody else showed up at that time. He is uh, He's a superstar. He's a superstar-level player, and if – if it was any other situation, like if it wasn't, if his name wasn't Carlos Correa, you know, if he didn't have that, that stain on him from 2017, I do think it would be like, I do think that has an impact. I really do. I'm not saying I have like necessarily a problem with it. Like I'm not saying morally, I think he should make less. I'm just saying, I think because that impacted the Dodgers, because it, it impacted the Yankees, like there's just this feeling that, they're not going to mess with the Astros of 2017. Like they're not going to sign Carlos Correa. They're not going to sign ever sign Jose Altuve. Like that's just not going to happen. That's how I view the situation. My prediction is he does not get Corey Seager money. My prediction is he does not get 325 million. So if, if you set the over under at three, you know, 299 and a half million for what Correa's overall contract value is, I would take the under on that. I think he's going to make less than $300 million on his next contract. He absolutely could make more. Trey Turner's a free agent. Dansby Swanson's a free agent. And Xander Bogarts is a free agent. They could just go back to their teams, and it's just Correa floating with all these other fits. You take out the Red Sox in that case, and someone might do it. But I think he's going to find in free agency that he will not get offered the Seager contract. He might. I could be wrong. I've been wrong plenty of times before. I just don't think that's going to happen for him, which, yes, I do think that opens up the door for the twins. And Derek Falvey said, we're going to try to we're going to try to retain him. And I, I don't know what that means, what try means, but he did use the word creative. We're going to try to get creative. Would Correa sign, you know, a seven year deal at 30 million a year with opt outs after year three, opt out after four, opt out after five? Like if you gave him more leverage, but less money. Would he be interested in something like that? Maybe if he gets further away from the scandal, even further away, and he's his own free agent shortstop, he's the only guy out there with a better market. Could he get more? That's possible. Something like that happens. If Carlos Correa was willing to sign for seven years at $30 million a year with a couple of opt-outs, Twins should be all over that. There's no excuse for that. It, it does get different when it's 325 330 335 340 million. That's like, that's an absurd, that's an absurd contract in, in general. But when it's put into perspective, it is right on par, you know, with Corey Seager, with Francisco Lindor, and he's right on par as a player with those guys. I'm super interested to see how this plays out. So my prediction is he doesn't get Corey Seager money. He makes less than 300 million on his contract. He'll make a lot of money. My other prediction is that it will take him a while to sign because I don't think he's going to get offered what he's looking for early on in free agency. Thanks so much for making Lockdown Twins your first listen every day on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. Now make your second listen, the Lockdown MLB Podcast. MLB expert Paul Francis Sullivan brings humor, passion, and unique perspective on every team and the biggest stories around the league. Follow the number one daily league-wide podcast, Lockdown MLB, on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Let me know what you think in the comments. Have a great day, and as always, go Twins.